Yes, hello there and welcome to Join Up Darts. This is an archive show, which means that I'm not here at the moment, but it's, it's all pre-recorded. But it does give you just a glimpse of what's been happening on the iTunes number one business entrepreneur show since we launched. Now, this show is different and you'll hear laughter, tears, shocking stories, real life turmoil, and of course, the kind of success blueprint that will change your life forever. If you want the dream life, then all the answers are here. Now, these are the old episodes, so to get right up to date listening to the latest stuff, then simply search Join Up Dots, click subscribe, and never miss an episode again. And of course, over at joinupdots.com, you can get instant access to our free 12-day podcasting course or loads of amazing free downloads to kickstart your own entrepreneurial journey, all made by my own fair hand. So let's get on with the show. You've got a lot of catching up to do after all. Enjoy. When we're young, we have an amazing, positive outlook about how great life is going to be. But somewhere along the line, we forget to dream and end up settling. Join Up Dots features amazing people who refuse to give up and chose to go after their dreams. This is your blueprint for greatness. So here's your host, live from the back of his garden in the UK, David Ralph. Yes, hello there everybody, welcome to episode 191 of Join Up Dots. Uh, Today's guest is a lady who believes that entering into adult life with a solid education is extremely advisable, but entering into adult life with the debt that education brings is not. Now, she was a college graduate who ended her education with zero student loans. What I hear you say? No student loans? How's that possible? Well, hang on a minute. As if you think that sounds implausible, then consider that not only was her college bill paid for, but she actually got paid to go to school too. As the first in her family, she had to figure out the scholarship process on her own and so successfully did this, she now wants to help other students and their families do the same. And the first step has been writing the Amazon bestseller, The Scholarship System. Now, this best-selling book details the exact strategies and insider information that she uncovered, which allowed her to bring in over 125000 in scholarships and financial aid, paying her entire college bill and giving her extra cash each semester too. Now, she was able to focus on her higher education rather than constantly worrying about money and how much student loan debt was piling up. But that's just one part of her story, as this is a lady who has an eye of creating a life that so few people are willing to create, and she's going for it big time. As she says, recently I've realised that future options are endless, and while I've always taken advantage of these opportunities in front of me, I'm now creating my own. So how does someone come out of the education system with a mindset so different from so many many others who focus in on the job and getting the job and not creating the opportunities that can lead to financial freedom instead. Well, let's find out as we bring onto the show to start joining up dots, the one and only Jocelyn Panita. How are you, Jocelyn? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to have you on. That is a beautiful name, and I I struggled. All the way I was leading up to that, I was thinking, oh, my God, how do you say it? How do you say it? How do you say it? And um, even though you told me beforehand, it was a panic moment for me. So where where does Panita, this surname, come from? It's actually Italian. Um, I saw a family over there and uh, very close to my roots. I absolutely love Italian food, and, uh, yeah, it's pretty much Italian. So it's not a sort of um, centralised Italian, southern Italian, it's just, as far as you were, just Italian? Well, this is, it's southern Italian, so my family's actually in Palermo, uh, one of the small cities in Sicily. 
Ah, that's where the mafia come from. <laughs> that's what everyone says when I tell them that. And it's true, yes, though. That, that, that's why we say it, because <laughs> it's true. That is the mafia. So do you have any sort of, um, sort of guitar-playing uncles that are slightly strange and wear black suits? If I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you, now would I? <laughs> no, you probably wouldn't. But then again, nobody else is listening, are they? It's just right, you right. and me, Jocelyn. <laughs> yes. Um, I can't say I have any guitar-playing odd uncles, but there are a few strange birds in the family. Always is, in every family, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so in, in your, your, your life is quite interesting because, as I was saying to you just before we started recording, you're kind of my target audience because you are somebody that is creating a path for yourself. You've done some great stuff. You've done amazing things. And we're going to talk about the sort of college situation because that, that is one of those things that I read and I thought, really? How has she done this? So I know that so many people are going to be fascinated about that as well. But you are still a full-time employee and you are working. You're in that transition. You're working for the, the big thing, whatever you end up doing in life. Yes. Yes, exactly. I would definitely say that I can relate to most of your audience. Well, what is it in you? Well, why, why do people have this? And I, I'm kind of asking this question, even though I know because I went through it myself. But why do you get that kind of feeling inside when you think, actually, I know this was the path I set out on for quite a while. For many years, I thought it was going to be the path. But for some reason, I'm not too sure now. It just doesn't seem right. Is it something that's been a, a, like an epiphany and it's just come to you? My family, I'm the oldest of set, or oldest of five, so my family has to provide for seven of us, and it's always been financially tight. And so when I went into college, I knew first I didn't want to have to worry about money. I didn't need to be rich, but I always wanted to be financially stable, and that meant that I needed to, or I thought I needed to follow the the stereotypical American dream where you're exchanging time for money. You know, you have your 40 to 50 hours a week. You have your standard benefits. You're working for a large corporation that's established. It's the quote-unquote standard secure job that we were told about growing up. And so this entrepreneurial stage that me and so many others are in, I did not foresee that in my future at all when I stepped foot into college. I thought, let's just follow the standard path and do what I'm supposed to do, move up the corporate ladder, and that's where I will end up. But getting involved in student organizations and eventually attending an entrepreneurial conference, I realized, you know what, maybe, maybe there's a bit more to my future. Maybe I don't want to do that stereotypical pathway that, I've, that has been so embedded in me. And at first, being surrounded by entrepreneurs and, and other students that were just thinking so far outside, out the box, um, I, I thought, there's no way I can do this. These, these people are amazing. I mean, they're, they're so creative. I don't have a creative bone in my body. And I actually, that is a direct line from what I used to tell people. <laughs> um, I, I literally said, I, I, I would love to be an entrepreneur, but I don't have a creative bone in my body. And and that's when people start telling me, you know what, Jocelyn, you don't need to be creative per se. You just need to want to solve problems. And, and that's what entrepreneurship is. It's, it's solving problems, helping people overcome their challenges, um, 
And you know what? I realized, God, I love helping people. So maybe I can do this. So to, to bring it back to your question, how, how does one end up where we are in this stage where you're like, where you're thinking, you know, maybe this standard path isn't for me. Let's go the entrepreneurial route. I did not foresee that by any means. Um, it is, it is mad, that, though, isn't it? That, you know, I'm, I'm so infused by this, I want to jump in. But um, it's so mad yeah. that we all go on the path that we get told to. Now, it's our lives. We are the only ones living our lives. And I did the path that was expected. I, I went through college, and I remember saying to my mum, right, I'm going to take six months off. And she went, no, you're not. You're going to get a job. And I went, well, I don't really want a job at the moment. I've, I've done education. I've been at school since I was five. I'm now 17. You know, I, I, I just want a break. No, you're going to get a job. And she basically yeah. wrote to the companies for me. And I got sucked into some interviews. And unfortunately, I got one. And I was there <laughs> for 15 years. And oh, wow. it set the path up for my whole career. And it wasn't until I got to my age now, 44, that I thought, I can't do this anymore. I really need to break free. But... I look at it and I think, yes, this is what I should be doing. This is absolutely it. And it is that entrepreneurial spirit to create your own future. But it, it's madness, isn't it? That we, we just kind of buy into this myth that this is what everybody else has done. They've been doing it for years and years and years. So that's what's expected of us. Why do we do it? I, you know, it, it really is strange. You're absolutely correct. But I do think times are changing. I think our generation is getting a little bit better at saying, you know what, maybe that's not meant for me. So I think the times are changing, but I also think seeing, for example, the market crash not too long ago and, and seeing, I mean, our parents uh, or my parents' generation, there's so much debt that they're in and we've seen them struggle. And then we saw the economy crash growing up. I think it almost made us petrified to go off the beaten path because we saw the challenges that came when with debt and, you know, not having a secure job. So I think, I think that might have shaped us a little bit to be a little bit risk averse. Um, so I don't know if that played into it for you, but that certainly played into it for me seeing, seeing others struggle and, and having to take on that debt. I just knew I never wanted to do that. With me, it was just something it was something inside that it was like a scratch that I had to itch. And when I quit my job and it was the leap of faith time, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I just knew that I couldn't do that anymore. And it, if, yeah. if somebody had said to me for years and years and years, what do you want to do in your life? My standard answer was, I don't know. I can tell you what I don't like because I've done it and I didn't like it. But actually, the thing that makes me come alive, I had no idea at all. And it's such a shame, isn't it? But there's no way around it. And that's, that's what this show is trying to do. It's trying to show people a different way of thinking and the process yeah. of overcoming fear and not knowing the answers and seeing things like obstacles and challenges as something that is part of the journey and not something to be frightened about. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You've surrounded yourself with entrepreneurs years in sort of a virtual environment and a sort of a localized environment and once you do see a different way of thinking a different way of acting it's very difficult to go back isn't it oh absolutely and i think that's a big part of it it's if you stay in this standard path and surround yourself by people who think the corporate ladder is is all that there is to look forward to you don't know what you're missing out on 
But as soon as you surround yourself, they, they always say, you know, you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with, right? Mm. And I started surrounding myself by these people, like you said, the entrepreneurs, the ones that are thinking outside the box. And I mean, it just opened up my mind and my eyes. I had no idea that there are so many people out there like that and that I was capable of doing it. So yeah, it's it's like you have to check off the box and do that star- standard job. But until you really, like you said, take that leap of faith and, and see what other people are doing out there and, and overcome that fear, I mean, you're going to be stuck in that little box that people tell you you need to fit in. Well, what, what do you think about not everyone being an entrepreneur because this this show isn't really i suppose about entrepreneurship but it is about happiness and if you are in a job that you hate but the thought of being an entrepreneur terrifies you then find a job that you're going to love and there's so many jobs out there it's never going to be easy to get the first ones perfect but it's just making that movement isn't it it's making that progression from something when you've been in a job for say five years and you know the people and you know the commute and the hours seem convenient for you you just become comfortable don't you and it's that first step which is the hard thing to do yes and actually that's funny uh one of the things i did want to mention was one of my mentors they call it um a bridge job um and you know just i i keep mentioning the entrepreneurial lifestyle but it's funny because i'm in like this odd hybrid right now where i'm doing a standard corporate job and I'm working on some entrepreneurial things on the side. So I, I think success is is what you, um, your own definition. It doesn't mean that you have to be completely your own boss. But um, one of the things that was important to me and, and is now is making sure that at least what you're working in and what you're experiencing is getting you closer to one of your future goals. So so the one thing I I wanted to say was these, these people, it doesn't mean you have to be on your, your own boss, but if you sit back and think of your job and what you're doing, does it at least enable you to do what you love? Is it giving you skills that you will need in the future? Is it getting you that one step closer? And if it is, it, it doesn't have to be where you want to end up, but if it's giving you some tools in your toolbox that you can use in the future, then this is a bridge, right? It's It's bridging that gap so that you can get one step closer to where you want to be. So I don't think that, you know, there, there can absolutely be people out there that want to work for a company or be in my situation where they have a little bit of both. But I think the key is just to know that you're at least getting something out of it that's getting you closer to your ultimate goal. And, you know, if, if you can't say that you're getting anything out of it, then maybe that's when it's time to move on and look for other opportunities. But the other opportunities don't have to be your own business. It can be another company, but at least ensure that they're giving you something that can help you reach that ultimate goal. I love that. You are the first guest in 191 episodes to talk about the bridge. But that is so inspiring, isn't it? Because that shouldn't need to make things scary. It should be something that if you have got responsibilities, if you have got debts, if you have got people that you need to look after, you can actually 
transition gradually and it doesn't have to be that you punch your boss in the face and walk out but it can be something that you can do in the evening and just start working on something and developing your skills and linking in with people and networking and all those kind of things that we can do so easily now the fact that you know and i say this literally every show jocelyn the fact that i press a button and i'm talking to you in america and bang we're recording it it's just opportunities isn't it and I love that oh, definition absolutely. of a bridge. It doesn't have to be definite. It doesn't have to be perfect. But you're happy to do something if it means that you're moving towards something. Exactly. And I think that's perfect for people that are a little bit more risk averse and they're not ready to make that full leap of faith. But they can at least gear themselves up to a point where then eventually they'll feel confident enough to make the jump. When I when I quit my nine to five job, I wasn't brave enough to quit the nine to five. So I made sure that I had a bridge and I call it the slide of faith, not the leap of faith. I just kind of moved naturally to a point where I could pay all my bills at a minimum. My bills would be paid. Um, am I doing this full time? No, I'm not. I have certain responsibilities and I have to go off and do another job whilst I'm working towards it. But will I ultimately get to where I want to be that this is my full time job? Yes, I totally believe. And I set out on a two year path. When I quit my nine to five, I said, it's going to be two years before I get where I need to be. And I was willing to work 17 hours a day, 24 hours a day, really, if it meant that I was naturally going to get to where I was. Now, I've been doing it for about a year. And I would say, I would say I'm about four months ahead of the curve now. I can actually starting to see the point where this will be my full-time job. Has it been difficult? Yes. Hey. Has it been tiring? Yes. Would I do it again oh, at a heartbeat? Absolutely. Because you know, ultimately, if you do it right and you put the effort in, then you will get something that is yours. And that means it's not the risky option, is it? Being an employee is right. a risky option. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think that once that opportunity cost tips in your favor and you realize, you know what, now it's finally to the point where me spending time at work for this other company is actually hindering me. That's when you're ready to, to finally jump, you know, fully walk over that bridge and, and move on to the next thing. But as long as you're getting something out of it and companies these days, they'll, they'll put you through training, they'll put you through classes, they have so many resources. I mean, as long as you're getting things out of that, as long as you're getting lessons, it's fine. But yeah, absolutely. Once you realize, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to make this jump and, and make my own business or my own venture my full-time job, I, I think the bridge job is always, always a good solution in the meantime. And I shouldn't really be saying this, but one of the best things that you've got at work is the internet. And most of us sit there with computers in front of us. And I, for like about six months, would just turn my PC slightly so no one could see my screen. <laughs> and for eight hours a day, I was researching and, and, and working on stuff and building websites when I shouldn't have been doing it. But hey, I've left now. If they're going to do anything about it, they should have done it at the time. <laughs> but yeah, we, we've got this opportunity to develop ourselves and we don't even have to go on courses. We've got like online courses and the fact that you can look and you can see what Jocelyn Panita is doing, you know, and you can see what other people are doing. If you look at enough of them, then there's a half a chance that you're going to find something that you think, I never knew that existed, but that sounds fun. And if you start mm -hmm. to find out that it feels fun, then there's, as I say, half a chance that you could actually do it because that's where your passions come in. How, how do you feel about that? I, I completely agree. Yeah, that's, 
Now, now there is one challenge you mentioned working while you're at work on this stuff, but I do, and I'm sure your your listeners can relate to this, but it does get exhausting, and I understand that. I mean, I don't know about other people, but sometimes I'll wake up early, and so I'll get work done before I even head to work. Or as soon as I get home, I get right back on the computer and I start working on my own things. So before you realize that you're working, you know, 16-hour days because you have to put in your eight hours, eight to ten hours, depending on commutes and stuff, at, at your real job, your, your technically real job. But then you've got to come back and still be motivated to go after your own dreams and work on this, this side venture that you're working on. So it gets exhausting. It does. It, it does, but I think you work through it as well, don't you? I when when I started doing this, and people say to me, "How are you doing a seven day a week show?" And it's not just a, like a formatted show; it's a free flowing conversation as we're having now. And people go, "How did you manage to do that?" And this is just part of what I do. I do other stuff, and then I've got kids, and you drop them off at school, and you come back, and you do all that. And for a time, I look like deaf. And people would see me and they would go, what's happening to you, David? Sit down. You look terrible. And then your body kind of gets used to it. And now I'm finding that even before my alarm goes off, I'm ready to get up and ready to go. And even before my eyes open, my thoughts are thinking, you know, ah, this is what I do today. That's what I do today. And I never had that. I never had that. It was always, oh, my God. God, I've got another hour until my alarm goes off. And it was like a drag to get out. And now I, I I don't actually like going to bed because I think it's cutting into the time for me to do stuff. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that's the, the best part about finding something that is your true passion and your true dream because you can you can get excited like that. And, and so while it's exhausting, you can work all night and not even realize what time it is because you genuinely were passionate about it and you were just so involved in your work. Um, and, and yeah, that's exactly it. So I get home from work, make dinner, and then I get right back to work. But it's almost like you don't even realize the hour's passing because it's just something that you're passionate about. Well, let's, let's play some words of a very famous man from Hollywood that I like to play on every show. This is Jim Carrey. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant, and when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job, and our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. How do those words make you feel when you hear them? I can completely relate to that because... Like I mentioned, when I went into college, I never thought that entrepreneurship was in my future. I thought I had to do that standard path. And I think his words are what I realized towards the end that, you know, maybe they say it's secure, but how long will it be secure? You know, with technology coming in and careers changing and um, even companies just changing completely with time. Just because it might be secure right now doesn't mean that it'll be secure in the future. So if you're going to do something, you might as well be happy doing it, right? Mm, I agree totally. And every time I listen to those words, I, I feel inspired. And even though I know that yeah. I'm going to play them because I am the one who presses the button, I kind of go, yes, I'm looking forward to it. And it's really just that last two or three seconds, isn't it? You might as well take a risk on doing something you love. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, what, absolutely. I can relate. 
What, what do you love most in your life? Because I, I, I am going to go back and talk about your book because that's fascinating. I know so many people out there will want to know about that. But actually, as you stand at the moment on your bridge job, moving towards where you want to go to, what really lights you up? My What really lights me up is being being involved with people, helping people. So I love public speaking, for example. I always have. I didn't realize I did until a teacher forced me to go into a public speaking contest. But what I realized was it wasn't the public speaking that I really enjoyed. It was the fact that I got to make an impact on all the people listening. And I mean, that that is what just lights me up. You put me on a stage in front of thousands of people and it is just, I am in on cloud nine. I absolutely love it. But it's because of that impact and the fact that I know I can change someone's life, even if it's just one life. In the, in, in, the, in the crowd, that is enough to keep me going. I get off stage and I'm just like on cloud nine. I'm so energetic because I got to do what I love. And, and that ties into this book because I realized, you know what? If someone didn't tell me that I could have gotten a free ride for college, I would have never known that was even a possibility. And so I want to be that someone for thousands of students around the world. And so... I was thinking, you know, I'd love to public speak and, and speak to these students, but there's only one of me. I can only do it so often and reach so many students. It's, you know, it's, it's not really scalable. And that's where this book came into place because this book is almost, sure, I'm not face-to-face public speaking, but for those that read it, when you read it, and I've had a lot of family and friends read it, they say they can almost hear me speaking. I put my voice into that book. I, I write as if I'm speaking to them one-on-one. And I mean, that is what makes me tick. It's helping people and knowing that I can change a life, just like someone changed my life when they told me that I could apply for scholarships and get possibly even paid to go to school. So so when somebody said that to you, you know, it, it it's it's beyond belief, isn't it? Because so many people go into the yeah. college system and they come out with huge debts and for years and years and years you know my my, my daughter is a, a lawyer or a barrister or something she is and she's been racked with debts and she's still paying them off and she's been working sort of full time for about the last 10 years and she's still chipping away at them so when somebody sort of said that to you there must have been a big part of you that thought nah never gonna happen absolutely and and it goes back to the us doing what we're told I mean, you just assume college comes with debt. That's part of the path. You have to take on loans and you have no choice. It's the only way to go to college, especially in the U.S. where it's just the price is just astronomical. Um, And so, yeah, when she told me that, hey, you know what? If you make applying for scholarships your job during high school, you'll get paid for four years. I thought she was absolutely nuts. (laughs) I, I looked at her. I was like, no way. And she's like, way. I'm telling you. If you put your effort into this, it will pay you for four years, if not longer. Because if you think about it, I'm still getting paid by whatever amount I would have been spending on my loans that I'm avoiding. So um, at first, I didn't believe her. uh, But then she gave me, you know, College Board's huge, huge book with scholarships. And when I saw how many were out there, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But at least I can try. It's fantastic that, isn't it? That somebody comes along and says to you, I could tell you how to get free college all the way through. And 
there's nothing really that she's going to gain in that fact other than she's helping you. But there's still that human element that go, no, it's not true. It's not true. I'm not even going to take a chance mm-hmm. on that because it's not true until you start digging in yourself. And that's the kind of entrepreneurial spirit as well, isn't it? It's it's not until you actually see it for yourself and you see that these people I, – I used to find it amazing when people would say, yes, all I do is go to sleep and I wake up the next morning and I'm £5,000 richer. And you think, how are you doing that? How, how are you just getting money when you are asleep? But once you actually delve into it and you look at what people are doing out there, you're going to go, oh, well, yes, I can see that. And it's like a, a light that comes on. But you still have that totally ingrained belief that it's a scam or there must be some shadiness to it. And when that lady came up, you you've, you could have easily run a mile, couldn't you? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think, and especially with topics like this, when it's about money, people are especially hesitant to believe that it's true. So when people see my book, Six Steps to Securing Financial Aid and, and Winning Scholarships, I mean, they're certainly hesitant. I've, I've received countless emails where it says, is this true? And I think the big factor in this, though, is it's not one of those get-rich-quick schemes. I started off the book saying, this will require hard work. This is not something that you can expect to do with just two hours um, of work. So I think that's the difference. But but you're absolutely right. People are very cautious with it, very hesitant, especially around topics like this. And I think it they need to just kind of take that little leap and, and read the book and see how attainable it is. Um, to really believe that they can do it. But yeah, I had the same hesitancy when she told me. I was just like, ah, that sounds too good to be true. But the thing is, it does require work. And I think that's the the difference between those scams and those that aren't. If they say, you know what, in two hours, I can get you a free ride. It's probably not legitimate. If they, If it's a scholarship that says, hey, you'll get six figures without even writing an essay. It's probably not legitimate. And I say that in my book. But for something that says, you know what, this is going to be hard work but I'm going to guide you through the path so that you don't have to find your ways around these obstacles that I already experienced. I think that's the difference between those that you should be cautious about and those that you can open open your mind to. But people do need to see a little bit for themselves before they really trust it. Did you enjoy hard work? Are, are you basically a grafter? Um, I like challenges. So when I see an obstacle and, and people, especially when people say, oh, that's probably not going to, you can't do that. Um, I take that and I run that really motivates me. So I, I do think I enjoy hard work. Um, but I think I'm also, and this is so, uh, cliche, but I think time management has to do with it because if you can successfully time manage, it doesn't feel that overwhelming. So there's a difference between hard work and just being completely overwhelmed. And I think that's that time management. So I'm fortunate enough to be good at time management. So when I see hard work ahead of me, I'm like, yes, bring it on. It's, it's, it, yeah, that's true, isn't it? It's funny because, you know, going back to this show, people go to me, how, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? And you just kind of do it. And after a while, you get faster at doing it and you streamline your processes. And if you kind of buy into that myth and uh, Part of me kind of does, I suppose, when they say, you know, how are you doing this? I go, oh, it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, it's it's very difficult because I, I feel like I should justify it. But actually, I could really do this whole 
seven day a week show in a day if I manage to structure it right and the only thing that kind of screws me up Jocelyn is the time zones where I want certain people to be on and the fact that it's now sort of 10 past nine in the evening here and I've got another two shows afterwards where I might have done one at nine o'clock because the English person wanted to do it at nine o'clock in the morning so you could be having like those 12 hour days that's the only thing that screws me up but I still kind of accept their point of view oh yeah it's not easy it's not easy like it it should be harder than it is but you only get something if you put the work in don't you yeah absolutely and i think that goes back to if you're doing something that you're passionate about or that gets you closer to your goal to the future that you want then it's a little bit easier to make it through it right because i'm I'm sure you'd love to crawl into bed right now or go hang out with your kids but this is your dream right and so that makes it a little bit easier to stay up this late and work now if it was your old job that you quit you probably wouldn't be as willing to be working right now right <laughs> no you're absolutely right and it's, it's funny when, when you have a dream you have you don't realize it's a dream I, I've got a different way of thinking things now I, I think you do stuff until you realize it's the thing you want to do and then once you've done enough of that you really start fine-tuning that dream and you have a belief that comes with it that it's going to take you somewhere and it's that point where your hard work getting something going suddenly starts getting a bit of momentum that's when the passions all come in and you really want it to get there and yeah that's that's where I'm at the moment the first six months of doing this to be honest was a slog and it, it was a slog but now I have you know that momentum going you can't stop me you really can't stop me and I, I actually have to force myself to spend time with my family because they want to be with me which is acceptable so this afternoon I, I you know I took time off and I spent two hours playing Indiana Jones Lego with my daughter was that, <laughs> was, was that good use of my time not really was it enjoyable yes yes it was but you had to force yourself because otherwise I'd be rushing up here to do this again yep yep and that's actually my book I mean it was the same thing with when I started writing my book I started writing casually and and I was thinking you know maybe I could do this but it, it was at first a little hard, and then I started getting into the rhythm of things and, and figuring out my style and, and how I was able to do it. And I realized doing one hour of writing a day, so every morning I would wake up an extra hour early so that I could get get in an hour of writing a day, that was what really got me going. And, and once I got into the flow of things, I mean, it was simple. I was able to knock out the book. I, it only took me a month to write the entire book. And I mean, I was even, I went to a lake house for a weekend with my girlfriends and I knew that they'd get up around, you know, 10 a.m., 9 a.m. So I purposely set my alarm clock to wake me up at seven so that I could get in writing before they even woke up. Even though I was on vacation and everyone wanted to sleep in, I was just so excited to get that writing in that I had no problem waking up in the middle of my vacation to get it in there. So I, I completely know what you mean. I mean, you're surrounded by people you love, but this, this when you're doing something you truly enjoy, I mean, it, you just can't stay away from it. The, the, the phrase that jumped out at me is when you was in the flow, because that, that's, that's what you want in life, isn't it? That is the moments when you're, you're doing something and hours just pass. And it's very yeah. different 
doing something that you love compared to being at work. I remember the time I used to sort of get in at eight o'clock in the morning and I used to look at the clock and think, oh, it must be lunchtime. It was like 10 past nine. And I, <laughs> I, I was so tired sitting at my desk thinking, oh, God, I've got to get through the day. I look back on it now and I think I was just in the wrong place. I was totally in the wrong place because now I know that life shouldn't be like that. And I, I, I very much want the audience to have the dream life but I know that every single listener is not going to because they're not going to totally believe in it as we're saying they're not going to listen to it and go yes I totally buy into what they're saying I can have that too it's going to be oh it's easy for Jocelyn it's easy for David they've got this they've got that and all that kind of stuff but I do think that's your your body's way of saying you're wrong somehow if you realize that there's so much effort going into just getting through a day you must be in the wrong place yeah yeah and I think that goes back to maybe they don't think they can do it maybe they know that they need that that paycheck coming in because they have people to support but if they could make sure that they're getting something out of this current job, whether it be public speaking learning or creating presentations or any kind of skill set that they know will help them in the future, I think it's a lot easier to deal with. But, I mean, if they're not getting anything out of it, then it's time to start looking for a new bridge or just go over it and, and, and jump into what you want to do. So I think it's fine to be uh, hesitant and and hold back a little bit as long as you're getting something out of it. Did you think you were sort of bloody-mindedness, the fact that if somebody says to you, you can't do it, it's like a red rag, is that something you've always had, even as a small girl? Um, maybe. I think it definitely, it, it definitely increased once I got to high school and college. Um, I think going to college and being one of the few in my family really made me that that made me realize, you know what, I am unique and I can do things that a lot of people don't do because I'm doing it now. So I think until I I really went to college and started doing things that um, people told me I wouldn't be able to do, maybe not so much. But once I started going to college and, and getting a free ride and crossing over you know, overcoming challenges that people thought I would never be able to overcome, that gave me that momentum and that thrill. And it's almost like now I, I wait for the moment to prove people wrong and to be able to do something that they said I couldn't do. So I think once you accomplish one thing that people didn't think you could, it's almost contagious. Like you, you're like, okay, now bring on the next thing and the next thing. So I don't think I've been like that since a child, but it's definitely been increasing at full force in the, in the past few years. Because I, I I was like it as a child. I, in my whole <laughs> life, if somebody says to me, you can't do that, I think, right, going to show you and I will just do it. And since yeah. I've been doing this job and just recently I've had a, um, a few people on that have got um, physical disabilities that you would go, how, how the hell are they doing that? How are they doing that? And then you talk to them and you realise they're doing anything that they want. And it's not yeah. the person's point of view. It's other people's points of view. It's other people saying you can't do that. And now I kind of think, who the hell are you to tell me I can't do that? What, why? Yeah. You don't know who I am. As in the same way that I've spoken to these people and I've kind of, in my head, I've kind of gone, well, how, how are you managing to do that? But of course, that's my point of view again, that no one should tell us what to do. I'm very ranty tonight, Jocelyn. I don't know what's come over me. But um, no one should tell me what to do because this is my life 
and if it's my life i should live it the way i I see fit and as long as i'm not hurting people and causing pain and distress but i'm trying to do things for the right reason and develop my life and progress and hopefully provide value to the world then god damn it i'm not going to listen to anyone who tells me i can't do something yeah and i think that that mindset is probably what enabled you to make that that leap of faith you know that you saying, you know what, you guys tell me that I need to do this standard job, but I'll be damned if you're going to tell me what I have to do. I mean, that's, that mindset is what enables you to move on. Now, I think other people, maybe they're not as uh, full force on, you know, I, I think some people succumb to people telling them what they need to do or people telling them that you can't achieve that. And I think that's what your show really helps people with is saying, you know what, you might think that they're right. You might think that what they're saying is what you have to do, but look at all these people that are doing things otherwise, that are going off the beaten path and and saying, you know what, screw that, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. So I think that mindset that you have, a lot of entrepreneurs have, and that's how they get to where they are, which is great. But I think other people that are stuck in that standard job that they're just unhappy with, maybe they don't have it quite as much as you did. Um, and they need to remind themselves that they have to make a special effort to say, screw you guys, I'm going to do this anyway. My, my nine year old daughter, um, Ashley, when she was little, and I've, I've told this story numerous times because I, I think it's kind of fascinating that I can see this occurring already. When she was like four and five, she used to be Ashley Can. And we used to say, what's your name? Ashley Can. Ashley can do anything, she used to say. And we took <laughs> her swimming once. And she went, Ashley can, and threw herself in the pool. And Ashley couldn't. She couldn't swim. And we had to sort of like swim over there and save her from drowning because she just kind of thought that she could do anything. But now she's nine. She's already, when you say, go on, you can do that. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm rubbish at doing that. Oh, I'm not very good at doing that. And it's it's almost like, She's now got a mindset that has kind of come from peer pressure, I suppose, that she likes people to go, yes, you can, you're really good, and sort of like bigger up. But when she was little, she didn't need to be bigged up at all. She just kind of knew it and would go with it. And it's sad that something along the line is lost. And it's not just her. I think it happens to so many people as well. They almost have a fear of stepping out in front of people and putting their hands up in class and showing that they want to do something because everybody else isn't. Can, can you see that in America as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's people that, I mean, people are afraid to maybe make waves or stand out for the wrong reason. And so they're not ready to make that jump and, and, and do whatever they want. And I think your, your daughter's probably seeing that same thing you know she wants friends or she wants to be the cool person she doesn't want to stand out for the wrong reasons or um or maybe just enough people have said you can't do that and so she's now starting to believe it but it's it's that challenge of trying to bring yourself back on on the other side of things where you're like you know what no i can i can do this i can do whatever i set my mind to but yeah i absolutely see that over here as well well let's play the words of steve job and it's the theme of the whole show and this is a man who most of his life probably got told he couldn't do certain things and, well, we know what he achieved. This is Steve Jobs. Of course, it was impossible to connect the dots looking forward when I was in college, but it was very, very clear looking backwards 10 years later. Again, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something, your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. 
because believing that the dots will connect down the road will give you the confidence to follow your heart even when it leads you off the well-worn path and that will make all the difference. Now you're on the bridge at the moment as we said and you are transitioning to your your new life. So at this point can you see how the dots have lined up to where you are now already? Absolutely and that's I think at first you you'll be sitting there at the at your desk and thinking god what am I doing and then like you said when you look back it's so much easier to connect the dots than when you're in it at that moment. So I, I look back and I see all of my experiences so far from my job now to my degrees to the organizations I was a part of during college to case competitions all the way back to in high school when that teacher forced me to do the public speaking contest. It's just amazing how you think, you know what, what am I doing at the moment? And then in a few years when you're looking back at it, you're like, wow, that really did get me to the next step. Everything was a bridge to where I am today, and this current one that I'm on is going to get me to where I want to be tomorrow. So absolutely, it's amazing how things work out, and this is so cliche, but I always said, literally, I think I wrote this in sixth grade in my yearbook, everything happens for a reason. And just every time I accomplish something new, it just reinforces that idea. And I think that's exactly what Steve's job Steve Jobs is saying it's it you look back and you connect those dots and it's just like wow I cannot believe that that awful experience or that challenging experience or that experience that I was dreading got me to where I am today everything happens for a reason and I'm every day I'm learning that more and more so many people say to me those words that you were just saying that actually the worst time of their life was the big dot that actually made them who they were. They look back on it and they go, oh, it was absolutely dreadful. You know, I've had people who say to me, I was in a car and I was just about to commit suicide and something happened and I didn't. And I remember this this guest and I think she was episode 99 or something. And she said to me, that was my worst day, but my best day. The day that she didn't commit suicide, but the day that she was so low, she almost committed suicide. And she looks back at that and she says, that was my big dot. And thank God I went through that because I wouldn't be who I was today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we all have those moments when they just absolutely change your life. So what would your big dot be, Jocelyn? That's challenging. Um, I think... And this was almost a story at the introduction of my book. But when I was in high school, I came home and my family, like I said, we've always struggled financially, uh, but my parents did great at hiding it. We never really saw it growing up. Um, And finally, I came home from school one day and my dad was there and I was like, you know, what are you doing? You should be at work. And come to find out he had gotten laid off. This was right in the middle of the financial crisis. And not only did it get laid off, but it was, it was, the company was being shut down. I mean, it, there was not, this was not temporary. And my heart just sank. I mean, to be a financial burden on your parents when they're struggling, it's the worst feeling. Um, and I mean, you're, you're, they're, your parents, they want to provide for you, so they don't look at you like a financial burden, but that was how I felt. And I just wanted to do everything in my power to ease their stress and and help them through this 
yet I was only, you know, 16. So how much could I do? But that's when I really set my mind to say, you know what, they're not paying for college. I know they can't afford it, but I want to be completely self-sufficient. And, and between that and the woman that told me I could get a free ride, I mean, that moment was when, was what changed my life. That was when I said, you know what, my parents are struggling. They're about to go through a really hard time and I want to make this easier for them. And so I put all of my efforts into applying for scholarships. And, and through that, I not only got paid to go to school, so I was able to focus on my academics, graduate with a great GPA, but now I'm debt-free and I'm able to pursue my dreams and go after opportunities that I wouldn't be able to do if I was buried in debt like most college graduates. So, so by my, with my father losing his job and me really waking up and seeing, oh my goodness, this, this is about to get really tough. Um, that really, that moment changed my life. It, it's, a, it's a deeply personal story that you shared, but it is one that I, I imagine so many people across the world will have, that the wage earner suddenly isn't there anymore, and it puts a strain on the whole family fabric. But it's how you, you, you look at that. Once again, I suppose, you either look at that as, as an obstacle that you can't get over or a challenge that you can get round somehow, and it's getting round that really moves you on to the next point. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're right. It, you can look at it two ways. And how you decide to look at it is going to determine your future. So let's talk about your future. Just before we send you back in time on the sermon on the mic to have a one-on-one with your younger self, where's your dreams? Where's your aspirations? I, I just hear it in your voice that you are a lady who is going to do amazing stuff. And the fact that you have just got that, that fire burning inside you, it's not going to take long until that bridge runs out and you're actually where you want to be. So what are you aiming towards? Well, like I said, I absolutely love public speaking. I love helping people. And so my goal is to be able to speak to students all around the world from high schools to colleges and let and be that person that tells them you can do it. You don't need to be buried in debt in order to follow your dreams. And, and, and that's what I'm working towards. I want this book in as many students' hands as possible, but I don't want students to have to pay for it. I want schools to care enough about their students to buy these in bulk and give them out. So for a freshman orientation or a junior year in high school or even a freshman orientation at college, I want these schools to be giving them out to students worldwide so that they are equipped with what they need in order to navigate the insane process of getting scholarships and financial aid. So, so the book is the first step, getting it in their hands and start helping them that way. But then I want to physically go and speak to these students and work with them and and tell them the stories and the great things I was able to do in college because of this college funding so that I can motivate them so so in no time what I want to be doing is speaking at school speaking to students and possibly even working with counselors so that I can tell them you know what my counselors were great but they didn't quite they weren't quite equipped with this and if you could build this knowledge and share it with your students we can do so much together and we can together tackle it i mean in the u.s we have over 1.2 trillion dollars in student loan debt this is going to just it it's going to crumble our economy if we don't get a hold on it and so 
I'm hoping that this book is just the first step in, in reducing that number and in helping students avoid being part of that number. So, so that's, that's my future, I'm hoping, is where I can say, you know what, this, this book is in students' hands. They didn't have to pay for it. Schools did it because schools care about these students and gave it to them. And then me being able to physically go and speak to them in, in mass groups and motivate them and, and give them that push that I got years ago. Just two words I disagree on that. You said, I'm hoping. Yeah, you're not hoping. You're going to get that. You're going to do that. Because <laughs> I, I think with public speaking, you need to have a story. You need to have something. It's no good saying, and I hear it a lot, people go, I'd like to be a public speaker. And it's almost like, well, what have you got to talk about? You, you need to have something. Mm -hmm. And you need to have something that you believe in your heart of heart is going to be a story that people want to listen to and will resonate with. And you've got that already. And you've got that at quite a, a young age, I, I would have suggested. And so I think, yeah, I think you've got a target audience. And so I don't think there's hope. I think that you are going to get that and you fully deserve that you should get it as well. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. There you go. That's more positive. Throw off those self-limiting <laughs> thoughts, Jocelyn, and go out and get what you want. Well, this is the end of the show, and this is the part of the show that we call the Sermon on Mike. And this is when we send you back in time to have a one-on-one -on -one with your younger self. And if you could go back in time to have a, a conversation with the young Jocelyn, what age would you choose and what advice would you give? Well, we're going to find out now because I'm going to play the tune, and when it fades out, you're up. This is the Sermon on the Mic. The best bit of the show The Sermon on the Mic The Sermon on the Mic So if I could go back and speak to my younger self, I would go and talk to my 14-year-old self, about 14, I'd be just starting high school, and I would push myself to say to to pursue an entrepreneurial idea I would try and get that entrepreneurial spirit a little bit earlier than I did I really didn't start thinking that way until college and I think that if I had at a younger age I wouldn't be dealing with some of the challenges that I face today so if I could speak to my 14 year old self I'd say you know what think outside the box try things don't think that you have to follow the footsteps of the stereotypical path that people are telling you you need to go on. You can be an astronaut. You could be a teacher. You could follow that path if you want to. But at least in the meantime, while you're in high school, try a few little businesses, even if it's selling lemonade on the side of the street, because this would give you crucial skills in the future. And if you do decide to go on that path, then at least you can say you got those skills. But knowing what I know now and knowing the future I want to have, I have a lot of thing I have a lot of things I need to learn and I wish I could have learned those earlier. So I would absolutely talk to my 14-year-old self and I'd say, "You know what? Don't think you need to follow that standard path and and go outside and create something. If you see someone complaining, if you hear an issue that they're facing, see if you can solve it." Try and come up with some kind of idea that can solve their pain point, that can give them any kind of boost and grab whatever knowledge you can 
In addition to that, I would absolutely push myself to read a little bit more. I mean, entrepreneurial books, anything that I could get my hands on. I'm doing this now, but I see, see kids doing it at such a younger age, and I wish I had done the same. So if I could go back to my, my 14-year-old self in ninth grade, that's, that's the advice that I'd give her. And I think that that would cause a domino effect of where I'd really be in the same place I am today, but I'd have a few more tools in my toolbox than I do now. So the areas that I know I need to work on, maybe I'd already have those worked out and, and really tailored to what I need um, a little earlier if I was able to do that. So that's, that's the advice that I'd give my 14-year-old self. Jocelyn, how can our audience connect with you? They can connect with me on Twitter at Scholarship Sys, so Scholarship S-Y-S. They can connect with me on Facebook. It's just the Scholarship System. Or they can send me an email at thescholarshipsystem at gmail.com. And then they can check out my site where they can contact me through there as well at www.thescholarshipsystem.com. And if they have any questions or doubts about this process, I would love to talk to them. We will have all the links on our show notes. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, joining up those dots. And please come back again when you have more dots to join up, because I do believe that by joining up those dots and connecting our past is the best way to build our futures. Jocelyn Panita, thank you so much. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once... Thanks for listening to today's episode of Join Up Dots, brought to you exclusively by podcastersmastery.com, the only resource that shows you how to create a show, build an income, and still have time for the life that you love. Check out podcastersmastery.com now. David doesn't want you to become a faded version of the brilliant self you were once to become. So he's put together an amazing guide for you called the eight pieces of advice that every successful entrepreneur practices, including the two that changed his life. Head over to joinupdots.com to download this amazing guide for free. And we'll see you tomorrow on Join Up Dots.